Hey, welcome to week three of How We Change the World. I've been so encouraged in this study hearing from you guys about how God's using you to change the world. This last week, I got a call from Esther and John Steen. Esther and John own a gym in Avon called Notch 8. And the gym is positioned right by the CSX train yard. Well, if you were with us last week, we had this analogy that there are two rails, like a railroad in the Christian life, prayer and the word of God. And when we stay on those rails, it keeps us growing in Christ. Well, Esther shared this with people working out at her gym, and she said, let's start a Bible study. Get this, 19 people signed up for this new Bible study over at Notch 8, and I just love it. I love it, church, that you all are changing the world today. You're changing the world in gyms, in coffee shops, at schools, at retirement homes, in neighborhoods, and in living rooms. Way to go, church. Well, I know many of you have joined us during COVID. And if you're new to our church during this time, we just want to say a big welcome. It's been so fun at our Brownsburg location to see our lobby filled with people who started watching over the summer, and now they're able to join us in person. Whether you're able to join us in person, or if you keep worshiping online with us, we want you to know that we consider you part of our church family. In fact, we want to embrace you. We want to put our arms around you, so to speak. And the best way to do that is to let our groups team know. You'll see beneath me a number you can text the word group to, or you can call another number. And in either case, we'll have a real person, a group guide, get to know you and walk with you so that you can be part of a group. We don't want anyone alone in this world. We want to walk with you and help you follow Jesus. Well, speaking of being alone and needing people to help, did you hear this true story out of North Dakota? There was a farmer named Lane Unjum. Lane was out in his combine harvesting his grain when his combine tractor started on fire. As you can imagine, this would be a total disaster for any farmer. This is his livelihood. And as Lane looked out the window, he saw that not only was his huge expensive tractor on fire, but his crops had started on fire. Lane called 911, and then in the panic, he actually had a heart attack. Well, the rescuers came. They were able to get Lane out of the tractor. They airlifted him to a nearby hospital. He's doing better now, but they, they got the crops out, and then Lane's family and friends all realized that something had to be done. I just love this story because as I looked on the Facebook accounts of some of these people who helped Lane out, it turns out they're believers in Jesus like you and me. One of those believers said, we've got to get a bunch of people together to harvest Lane's crops. And so here's what they did. More than 60 of them gathered together. They volunteered their own tractors, their own fuel, their own farmhands, and they all worked together to harvest more than 1,000 acres of Lane's various crops. I love this story because it's a story of hope. It's a story of people coming together in a world that's so divided. And here's the reality. Every single one of us has times in life where our world starts on fire. 
times in life where we have a tragedy. And I think we'd all like to be part of a community where people like Lane's community come and help us. We'd all like to be part of that. And I know if you're anything like me, it's also fulfilling to be part of that community that's helping someone out. So here's the question we're asking for your life today. How do you become part of a community like that? I mean, how do you become part of a community that will really carry you through tragedy? We all long for that. If I could tell you today how you can be part of a community like that, would you want to know how? Here's the other question that we're asking today. How can you experience the joy and the fulfillment of helping other people when they're going through tragedy. I've got to tell you, if you've never gotten to do this, when you can show up and you can help someone, bringing them a meal, helping them through a difficult time, it's one of the most fulfilling things in life. And I want to share with you today how you can find that kind of community first to help you, but also so that you get to be part of helping others. You see, it's God's will, it's his plan for your life that you would be part of such a community, a community where your needs are met and a community where God uses you to meet the needs of others. Well, God answers our question, how do you find that? In the book of Acts chapter two. We've been studying the book of Acts and we've specifically been looking at it because this verse gives us the blueprint It gives us the model for what the New Testament church is supposed to be. You see, the New Testament church, followers of Jesus, we're not necessarily about a building or a logo or anything else. There's nothing wrong with those. They're great tools and we use those tools. But there are four primary things that any biblical church is devoted to. We see in Acts 2.42 that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. We learned that last week. And they're devoted to fellowship. That's what we're learning this week. Fellowship is you having people who know you, people who can walk with you through the hardest things in your life, and people who you walk with when they go through the hardest things in their lives. True believers of Jesus are devoted to the word of God, devoted to fellowship with other believers. That includes the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So how do we answer this question of finding community? Where do you find that kind of community where you can have your needs met and where you can be fulfilled by others meeting your needs? Well, here's the answer. You make devoted believers your closest friends. Make devoted believers your closest friends. Now, by the way, this doesn't mean make devoted believers your only friends, okay? God wants you to have lots of friends who don't know Jesus because it's through you that they're gonna find Jesus. And you can even have close friends who aren't believers where you're praying for them and you're learning from them in ways. But here's the thing, your closest friends, the people you go to for advice, when you're not sure what to do, When you've got a difficult decision, the people you turn to, the people you talk to on a daily basis and a weekly basis, well, if they're devoted followers of Jesus, you will become a person who changes the world for Jesus and who makes the world a better place. Let's look at these two words from Acts 2.42. It said that they devoted themselves 
to the fellowship. These are both Greek words here, and I was tempted to put the Greek word up on the screen, but I realized that probably wouldn't be very helpful. What does this word devoted mean? Well, it means this idea to persevere and not faint. So do you have believers in your life, or are you a believer for other people, where you're going to persevere in that friendship no matter what? You're going to be faithful to them. Even if they have bad breath, even if they step on your toes, even if you get hurt feelings, you're going to stick with it. You're going to persevere. There's a commitment in being devoted. It means being steadfastly attentive. That is thinking and praying for each other. And as you get to know these other believers who you're walking with, you're sharing prayer requests, you're carrying each other's burdens. And there's times where you might text each other or you might give a phone call or you might do a direct message on your social media platform to just say, I'm thinking of you today. A lot of our small groups here at Connection Point have group text threads where one person in the group is able to share with the others, hey, here's what God's putting on my heart today. What do you guys think? Or here's a need I have. Will you guys be praying for me? That's what it looks like to be devoted. It's to be in constant readiness for one another, constant readiness that you're prepared to go and help, devoted to fellowship. This word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, and it comes from a root word that means literally to partner, to associate. It means a comrade or a companion. So do you have other believers in Jesus who you're committed to in this way? Well, we have so many groups here at Connection Point that do this. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't yet have this kind of group, God wants you to get in one, and we're here to help you get into one. We've got groups for women, groups of men. We've got groups of people who run together, who work out together, groups of people who share hobbies. We have groups that are based by neighborhood, by age. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, we have a group that will fit you. Uh, here's a picture of actually actually two of our men's groups. I see one in the background that I know those are our guys as well as one in the foreground here. And I want to give you a quote. It's not from one of these particular guys in this group, but it's from another man in our church who's in a men's group. And here's what he said just this week. He was talking to a brother and he said, I have to admit guys, over the summer when the church wasn't meeting in person, I fell into a depression. And he said, guys, now that we're back in the building and now that this men's group is meeting, this is a group that just started. He said it has breathed life back into me. He said where my life was becoming just clouded in darkness, it is now a light in the darkness. And I love it that the leader of that group said, thank you for sharing it. Now, who else will you go share that with? Because there are other people in darkness. There are other people who are struggling with depression and they need to know that if they'll get into a group today, if they'll start to meet with other brothers or sisters in Christ, it breathes life into us and it brings light into our darkness. I love it that that leader told this other man, go and tell some others because this is how it worked in the New Testament. Jesus would heal someone and that person would go and tell others. I love this story. It just happened this week and it shows the power of gathering the power of being known, the power of sharing. It's how you lead others when you share your victories and your struggles with them. And God uses you to help them. And then God uses them to help you. You lead 
others and you lead yourself. When you're in a group that shares these struggles, these victories, God wants this for you. I want this for you. And here's what we're learning in the book of Acts. How do we change the world? Well, let's review. We saw first in chapter one that we have no hope of changing the world without Jesus. He's the one who changes the world. He's the hope of nations. He's the only one who can heal the human heart. He's the only one who can forgive sins and give eternal life. And so the way we change the world is by following Jesus and then proclaiming, telling our neighbors and everyone around, Jesus is the answer. He's the solution. The second thing, if we want to change the world, is that we have to have the Holy Spirit. We learned in Acts chapter one that if we try to follow Jesus in our own strength, we can't do it. But the Holy Spirit actually empowers us. The miracle ministry of Jesus continues today. And where God has good work for you to do in your life, it's the Holy Spirit that can empower you in even miraculous ways to continue the work of Jesus today. Well, last week we learned that we need prayer and the word of God. We saw our text today, Acts 2.42, that the followers of Jesus, they were devoted to the word of God and prayer. And this week, we learned this fourth thing, that we've got to be devoted to fellowship. You've got to have some brothers and sisters in your life where you're devoted to them and they're devoted to you. Well, here's a little bit of a less serious question. Have you ever been driving and had a flat tire? Man, I remember when I finished my undergrad in journalism, I was driving from Michigan all the way to Phoenix, Arizona, and I got a flat tire in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I remember it so well because I had my car and a guitar and a laptop computer at about $150, and the new tire cost me like $86. I remember it just about broke me. I was like, oh, I hope I have enough gas to actually get to Arizona. If you've ever had a flat tire, you know you can't just keep driving driving on a flat tire. If you try to, you'll wear out the rim and your whole car will end up getting destroyed if you just keep driving on that. And I want you to think of these basic things we've learned as four tires in your spiritual drive with God. I want you to think of yourself, if you don't like Jeeps, that's okay, you can pretend you're some other vehicle. But I want you to think of these four things we're learning as four tires on you as a vehicle as you follow Jesus. There's the tire of Jesus. Of course, without that, that's what drives us. We can't do any of this without him. We've learned that without the Holy Spirit, if you just try to live for God in your own strength, you're gonna feel like you're driving on a flat tire. You're gonna get really worn out and really frustrated. We learned last week that the word of God and prayer, these are what keep us going in God's direction. They keep us on the rails, so to speak. And this week we're learning this fourth tire of fellowship. And that fellowship, uh, yeah, it's getting together in a big room with believers. That's one form of fellowship. But really, this Greek word koinonia, while it includes that, it really means believers who know you, believers who know your struggles, believers who can pray with you where you're tempted, believers who can cry with you where there's pain in your life, who can laugh with you where there's joy in your life. Well, let's keep reading in Acts chapter two, because we see the early Christians live out what this word fellowship is. And it starts in verse 43. 
It says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So as the believers were devoted to Jesus, the spirit, the word of God and prayer, and to each other, God continued to do miracles. You know, when I read this verse, everyone, it's plural, no one is isolated and out on their own, and filled with awe, it actually reminded me of the time in my life where I probably grew the quickest spiritually. And I wanna encourage you, if you're a new believer, there'll be seasons where you just rapidly grow. And I remember when I was in my 20s, I was part of a small group in Scottsdale, Arizona. These were some of the guys in my group and we would drive down to Mexico and it was so fun because it was a short drive to Mexico and there was actually a really poor slum down there. And we would work together with a church building homes for impoverished people in Mexico, but then we would go stay on the beach and it was so fun because in our small group, we would have new believers in Jesus and we would always go to this beach and sometimes we would baptize them in the ocean. In fact, the first baptisms I ever performed were there in the ocean. It was just one of those seasons in my life where I was rapidly growing. Why was I growing so fast? Why was I filled with awe about how God was working? Well, it's because I was devoted to these other believers in my group. And together, we were devoted to the word of God and to prayer. I mean, every week we would gather and we would just share, where do you need prayer? Some of us were young in our careers. Others were still studying at Arizona State University and we would share prayer requests. We'd pray for each other. We would stay in touch all throughout the week. We would read the word of God together. And as we were devoted to these Acts 2.42 principles, we saw God radically growing our faith and transforming us. Well, the passage continues and it says that as the believers were devoted to each other, they had everything in common. Now, some people have misinterpreted this to say that everyone sold everything they owned and they put it all into a big pool like some weird form of communism. But we know that's actually not how literal it was because for the rest of the New Testament, including the book of Acts, we'll hear about believers who still own homes and private property. So having everything in common isn't about everyone has to wear the same clothes and have a uniform. It's a common purpose. It's a common mission. And I love it. Just a couple weeks ago, I heard an example of this. When we started this study in the book of Acts, we looked at the verse that said that people looked at Peter and John and they said, these men have been with Jesus. And we took it that week as our mission, as followers of Jesus. We want to be known as people who have been with Jesus. Well, I heard from one of our small groups that this is a text that they were sharing around that week. One gal in the group texted to the rest of the group. She said, just prayed for each of you that you would be recognized by someone else today as a person who has been with Jesus. Have a great day. Hey, if you're in a group, I just want to encourage you to be sharing messages like this. And if you're not yet in that kind of group, you know what a group is? It's really a team of other believers who cheer you on. And throughout the week, they remind you, this is what God's teaching us. This is what we're doing. So when you show up at your job or your classroom or somewhere else and you feel like, ah, where do I fit? What am I about? You get a message like this and you remember I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not in this alone. Well, that's what it means to have everything in common.
Verse 45 continues and it says this, that some sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, the point here is that when the believers met, they would share, here's what my needs are. In fact, we know in this case, a lot of these believers didn't live in Jerusalem. Remember, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, where a number of Jewish people from around the world had gathered at Jerusalem. Now, many of those people from out of town were brand new believers, and they said, wow, God's at work. I believed in Jesus. I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit. I don't want to leave Jerusalem but I don't have any food and I've run out of traveling money and I don't have anywhere to sleep. And so the church said, we see your need. We're going to take care of you. I love it that as a church, we continue to meet each other's needs. As a big church, we get to do this in many ways, but so much of it happens through our small groups. It's when you're in a group, that community of believers, that you're going to see your needs met and you're going to see God use you to meet the needs of others. Well, every day, verse 46 tells us they continued meeting together in the temple courts. Now, this is like the equivalent of us meeting in our building or meeting online like we're doing right now. This was the whole church, thousands of them. But then in addition to that, they broke bread where? In their homes. The home is the original place for the church. So if you're watching from home, way to go. God wants you to be not alone while you're watching from your home. They met in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's a joy that comes from following Jesus. We're supposed to be happy people because we have the Holy Spirit inside us. And when we gather with other believers, it stirs that up in us. Well, as they did this, they continued praising God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people around them. And then it's the Lord who added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, you might be wondering, John, what does this look like today? What would this look like for me? And I wanna share with you about a brother here in our Connection Point Church family named Jonathan Cooper. Jonathan Cooper became part of a small group within the last couple years. And lately he was telling me about how that group has changed his life. Now here's what he said. He said, I've been in church most of my life, but my spiritual growth has grown dramatically since he joined his small group. He said, our small group is like a family. We laugh together, we cry together, we serve together and we bring Jesus to one another. He continued and he said this, this small group reminds me of the early church and it has shown me how the body of Christ is designed to function. He said, when you gather with people that love you and when you hear the Holy Spirit speak through your brothers and sisters, it changes your very character. He said, when you no longer have to try to walk through the Christian life alone, you begin to experience true joy. It's just like what we read. He said, that's when you experience the peace and this is how God has designed us to be. He said, the attachments and connections are crucial to spiritual growth. Jonathan Cooper is right on. He said, love for God and each other is the glue that binds us. I love it because as I learned more about Jonathan Cooper's small group, I learned so many stories that I could tell you guys. I learned that their families hang out together. In fact, here's a picture of all their families together. He said, John, my, my kids, their closest friends are the other kids in our small group. And I've got to tell you another story. In Jonathan's small group, 
there's a brother here in our church who owns a business in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, the business is called Dick's Bodacious Barbecue. And this business, when there was rioting and looting going on downtown, it ended up getting the windows smashed and it got looted. Well, the owner of that business was able to text Jonathan and the other men in his small group. And within an hour, all the guys from the small group were down there with shovels and with wheelbarrows. They were cleaning up and they had saws and they got wood from Lowe's and they were able to board that business up within hours of the looting. Why? Because he's part of a small group. He had guys who he could reach out to right away. And those guys were able to be there for him right away. And I'm really excited because next week, I wanna share with you something that we're gonna do as a church family to help that family because that business has since shut down as a result of that looting. But we're gonna help this family out in a special way next week. Why? Because the church meets each other's needs. We'll have so many other stories I could share with you from Jonathan and from his small group, how it's affecting his kids, his wife. And he's saying, John, I'm experiencing Jesus like never before. Yes, I've been in church and I knew the word of God and prayer, but it's in my small group that I'm really experiencing Jesus. Well, I want you to think right now about your life. Have you experienced this? Are you experiencing it right now? Maybe there was a time in your past where you had these kind of relationships with other believers, but you're not right now. Maybe you're in a group, but the group has gotten a little bit lax and it's a time for you guys to say as a group, you know what, we're gonna be devoted to each other. Maybe you've never been in a group before, and if that's the case, we'd love to get you into one today. Let's look back at this idea of you being a vehicle, you're driving along in your spiritual life, and you've got these four tires. I wonder in your life, is one of these tires flat? Is one of these tires deflated? Now, if you've believed in Jesus, that's a tire that never goes flat. He'll never leave you or forsake you. There's nothing you can do once you believe in him to get him to reject you. His love covers all your mistakes. How about the tire of the Holy Spirit? We've learned in our study of the book of Acts, you can't follow Jesus in your own strength. How about the tire of the word of God and prayer? We learned that last week. Have you been in the word of God? Are you praying regularly? And how about this tire of fellowship? Do you have some brothers and sisters who know you, who help you? Because here's the thing about the Holy Spirit, the word of God in prayer, even appreciating the work of Jesus in your life, it's when you're in a group with other believers that you experience that. And if you're not, then you're missing out. And I just, I don't want you to feel like you're driving around on a flat tire. Well, let me introduce you to our group's team because they would love to walk with you, to help you find a group that really fits you. Uh, here's our group's team. And if you text the word group, this is who will text you back, not a robot. Or if you call the number that we've been putting on the screen during this message, it's this team that will call you back. If you're a guy looking for a group of guys, if you're looking for a group in your neighborhood, even if you're out of state watching us and you wanna be in one of our fully online groups or a fully online group here in central Indiana, we can find a group for you. These are the brothers and sisters who will help you. Well, maybe you're thinking, okay, John, I get it that you're excited about groups. It sounds like God really used a group in your life, but groups just really aren't for me. I mean, maybe groups were just a thing in the very early church and it faded away over time. 
Well, let me take you to a passage that demonstrates that the church continued to meet in homes devoted to the word of God, prayer, and meeting each other's needs in homes all through the book of Acts, then continuing through the New Testament, and it continues today. In Acts chapter 12, we're told that persecution broke out against the church. And these kind of passages, they can be uncomfortable for us to read, but they're so important because they remind us that as followers of Jesus, we are engaged in a spiritual war. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for nations. There's a battle between good and evil, between truth and error. And in Acts chapter 12, Herod, the same Herod who was part of having Jesus killed, arrested some who belonged to the church and he intended to persecute them. Well, Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. That means he had him beheaded. Now, James, you might remember, was one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. This was a terrible, tragic moment where James has given his life as a follower of Jesus. Well, all the people who hated the Christians got so excited that James had been beheaded. And so Herod sees that. And the next thing he does, he arrests Peter. Verse five of Acts chapter 12 says that Peter was kept in prison. But look at this. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. Here's the question. Where you're in a prison in your life, are there any people who are praying earnestly for you? Is there anyone who you're praying for that they'd get broken out of a prison in their life? This is why we've got to have brothers and sisters who know us, who are praying for us. I'd encourage you in your life application study Bible to read Acts chapter 12. What's so beautiful in this story is that it is the week of Passover, the very week when Jesus was arrested and killed. And now Peter, who had once denied Jesus during Passover, he gets arrested, but Peter doesn't back down. He stays faithful as a follower of Jesus and believers in homes continue praying for him. Well, I'm gonna compress the story of how God miraculously breaks Peter out of that prison. He answers their prayers. And Peter, in fact, as he's getting out of the prison, he thinks he's having a dream. And then he kind of comes to, and it's nighttime. He's in the streets of Jerusalem and he wakes up and he realizes, oh my goodness, that wasn't a dream. God broke me out of prison. Where do I go? What do I do? Peter knew right away where there would be a home filled with believers. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 12. It says, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John. In other words, Peter knew there will be Christians meeting together at this house. Why? Because they're devoted to each other. They're always getting together and they're praying together and they're sharing their needs together. And when he gets there, there were many people who had gathered and were praying. My point is this. Do you really want to see God work in your life? Do you really want to see a miracle? Do you want to see yourself broken out of prisons? Do you want to see other people broken out of prisons? Then here's what you do. When you want to see God work, get into a group and pray. In fact, I thought about titling this message, How to Break Out of Prison. Because how you break out of prison for Peter was to be in a group of believers who were devoted to each other and to prayer. Well, let me close by giving you a vivid example 
from recent scientific research about how important it is for you to be in a group. I was reading this article in Fast Company magazine, and the article's titled, Change or Die. It's called Change or Die because of this. What happened is the researchers took a whole bunch of people with heart conditions, and they said to these people who have heart conditions, if you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't you know, stop smoking and stop eating so much cholesterol, if you don't start exercising, if you don't change, you're going to die. And here's what the researchers did. They divided all the people into two sections. And the one section, they said, we're just going to give them a real hard talking to. We're going to show them all the statistics. We're going to show them that if they don't change, they're within a few years of dying from heart attacks. Well, the other group of people, instead of giving them that strict speech and all the statistics, they took a different approach. They said, we're going to put you into groups of 10. And in your group, you're going to have other people who also want to adopt a healthier lifestyle. As a group, you're going to encourage each other. You're going to help each other. And you're going to have a joyful journey as you learn to live a healthier lifestyle. This will add years to your life so you don't die from a heart attack, but it's not something you have to do alone. It's something you can do together. Well, guess what happened in the study? The group that went it alone and were told, if you don't change, you'll die, guess what? Only one out of every 10 in that group actually changed. The other nine failed to change. They started out, but they lacked the willpower and the staying power. How do you think it went for the group of people who were said, we're going to put you in a group with others who are going to change? Well, in that section, eight out of every 10 people were actually able to change their habits and lifestyle and further their life, actually lengthen their years of life. It's a modern study that proves exactly what the Word of God says, that you're healthier, you're more joyful, and you will change for the better when you're in a group. Now, the best group of all is a group who's following Jesus. Did you know that when Jesus came to earth, he said that every human needs a new heart? He said that we all have a heart condition. You have to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins to get a new heart. After you've done that, you learn the new lifestyle when you walk with other believers. Well, we're here to be that for you. If you've been part of a group, I hope that today the Spirit of God is stirring up in you a devotion to your group. And if you're not yet in a group, I hope that today you'll take this step to say, I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus by joining a group. Let me pray that for you right now. Father, I pray for every single person who's listening to this message right now. God, we need you to change us. And Lord, we know you want to change the world through us. Lord, you've been teaching us in this series, we can't do it without you, Jesus. And part of your plan is that we would be devoted to other followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray that over my Connection Point family, that every single one of us would be devoted, that we'd have other believers who we're praying for every week and who are praying for us. God, I know that as we do that, we will see you break down many prison walls. You'll set many people free. We'll get to be part of the fulfillment of helping others and others will be there to help us because we're simply following your plan to be devoted to one another in love. So Lord, I pray right now as a church family, build us in this way. Strengthen us, we ask in the name of Jesus, amen.